right, welcome everybody for this session of the Med Student Over Easy podcast. I am Andy Little, your host from EM Over Easy, and I have three amazing guests with me today. I'm Vlad Mordach. I'm a PGY3 at Advent Health East Orlando Emergency Medicine Residency, originally from New York, and I'm excited to be on this podcast today. My name is Tim Montreef. I'm an assistant professor of critical care medicine and emergency medicine at the University of Miami in Florida. And I'm Caitlin Bowers, and I'm an adjunct assistant professor of emergency medicine at Campbell University in Raleigh. Well, I want to thank everyone for hopping on. We're doing a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and it's, as a medical student, what do you do when a procedure is happening? I know that we would all like to say that every procedure done in our emergency department, a medical student can do, but we know that's not true. And we were all residents once and pushed medical students out of the way or moved them to a different part of the room so they could observe rather than partake. And so we wanted to walk through some of the boundaries and some of the ways a medical student can observe procedures appropriately, and then maybe actually have that lead to being able to do a procedure with a resident or with an attending. So Caitlin, why don't you get us started and we can kind of go from there. Yeah. So I actually came up with the topic for this podcast because I think that it's important for students to realize there's a lot you can learn from just watching procedures. When I was a third and fourth year student, I actually was rotating at a big level one trauma center with so many residents that I really never got the opportunity to do a procedure solely by myself. But I always tried to set things up, make it easy for the resident, grab everything I needed, and then go ahead and gown up and hand them things. And I think it's important to realize that the more you get familiar with the procedure and you learn and watch people troubleshoot them, that it actually makes it much easier when you go to do it yourself. And I went off to audition rotations when I did my emergency medicine sub eyes and having not really done many procedures, but I actually found that I didn't really feel behind because I was able to talk through everything and troubleshoot and set things up. So I found that the attendings were more likely to let me do things because I could talk my way through it so much easier. So I think that even if you don't get the opportunity, you can still learn a lot, which is what we want to talk about today. So kind of starting, we'll let Vlad start us off, but the procedure really begins before you enter the room. So kind of what do you want to, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I also love this topic of procedures and being a medical student because I think it's it's one of the ways you can really showcase what you know, how you critically think, and kind of how you're approaching how you're going to learn and show how you're going to be a good resident down the line. And I think such a big part of procedures and learning in general starts before you even do anything, like you mentioned, that it's about knowing what the procedure is about knowing why you're doing it, its indications, and going forward from its indications, how you're going to actually prepare for it, whether that's materials, but also how are you going to bring it up to the patient or the family member for which you're doing this procedure, telling them why you're going to do it, what risks are involved and why it's necessary, and then also understanding all the complications that can come along with doing that procedure so that you can troubleshoot it down the line. So being able to verbalize those steps, being able to set it up, being able to relay that to the resident or the attending that you're doing that procedure with really shows them that you understand what's going on. And that starts before you even do anything physically regarding the central line or the intubation. And so I think that's really vital as a learner is that you understand why you're doing this. I think you bring up a great point because we're always talking to students about how they can be helpful in the emergency room because sometimes they feel like on certain shifts when it's busy, they can just kind of be in the way and they're trying to help us. And one of the things that I'm always surprised by as an attending now 
is that a student won't say anything to me, but I'll go into the room to meet the patient and discuss a procedure and everything is already all laid out on the table next to the bedside. And sometimes that also means a consent form is sitting there. And obviously they, I'm consenting the patient myself, but I think it shows a lot when they already have all the proper tools out, when they have everything ready to go. Absolutely. And then it also comes to like, if I am ever going to trust a medical student to go ahead and move forward with actually doing the procedure, knowing that they were able to do all that makes me feel confident that they know the steps and it makes it much more likely that I'll let them step in and take over, especially if they have seen me do it once before. Tim, kind of what are your thoughts on this? I know between ICU and ER, you do a lot of procedures and you're probably in a high learning environment. Yeah, I think that's a great starting point. The procedure begins before you even enter the room. You need to know all of the facets of the procedure. And that really builds to the next point is when you're observing the procedure, being able to ask good questions. It's super cliche, but it's the heart of learning and observing procedures. Asking good questions shows me, the person who's doing the procedure, who's doing the teaching, that you know all these intricacies and that we can discuss a little bit higher level. So not just why are we doing it, but what are some tips and tricks to really do the best procedure possible. And really at this stage of the game, especially as a medical student, there's really no bad questions, right? You can ask, why are we doing that? Why are you choosing that central line over this central line or this ultrasound configuration? Really for a medical student to embrace the role of a learner, recall that everyone was once here, all of the attendings that are doing procedures, all the residents were once a medical student, and you get this golden opportunity to really ask as you're watching, as opposed to when you're holding the reins and you're the resident and things aren't going well. It's a great learning opportunity. I think that also brings up a point of knowing when to ask questions whether you're doing the procedure with an intern or a senior resident or attending probably makes a difference. And also it matters if your patient is awake or if they're intubated and sedated, because sometimes it might not be the right time to ask a question and you just need to remember that for later. Whereas other times you can really learn a lot by kind of talking your way through it if it's appropriate. And I think medical students should really embrace that opportunity to When their attendings know that they are medical students, and so really no question is bad, and it's never too late to ask a question. There's never that point where, oh, you should know this, because if you never ask, you'll never learn. And so even if it's as simple of like, why am I using an autoclave or like, how do I flush a line properly, even the small details that people who have been doing it for so long just don't even think about anymore – as a medical student, as a as a new learner, you should really take that opportunity to ask so that you know, and then in the future, you don't have to kind of backtrack to the little steps and you can uh, focus on the big things like getting the line in or getting the needle in the, in the vessel or getting the tube or getting your backups for your intubation. And I think we have been talking a lot about some of the more advanced procedures that as a medical student you'll probably never be doing alone. There will be a senior resident or an attending in the room. But this also can, this can relate to simple procedures like LACs and INDs and things that you might at some point be left in the room to do alone. And you should know when you have a question and when you need to go get someone. We're not going to think poorly upon you. If someone comes and gets me and says, hey, this LAC is a little complicated. How would you recommend I start this out? I would rather you come ask me the question than just go ahead and do it. And we have to start over later. 
Exactly. And if you're observing a procedure and, and you're finding yourself struggling with questions, as someone who's doing the procedure and trying to teach, it can be really helpful if you say, can you just narrate what you're doing? Let me know the steps. What are the the different steps and some considerations for each step? Because everyone does procedures just a little bit differently, and they have a ton of insights and taking all that pressure off the person to teach and, and off the medical student for asking good questions makes it a little bit easier of just tell me how you do this. What what steps are you doing? What are some considerations at each step? And it really sets a nice tone for the rest of the procedure. Tim, I love that you bring up narrating a procedure. It's something that's helpful, not for your learners. And just as a pro tip, as you get older, it's also good when you're working with new staff members that are in the room with you, narrating what you're doing so they feel confident that you're actually smart enough to do this. I think asking questions has a fine line. And there's a line there where as a medical student, maybe you shouldn't ask questions. Where is that line and how do you guys recommend going about it? So I think for me, a lot of this is reading the room, especially in the, in the ED in a recess type environment or in the ICU, if things are going poorly and you kind of pick up on a little bit of frustration on a little bit of trepidation of the person doing the procedure, maybe now is a good time to just sit back and see what areas you can be helpful. Watch the monitor, see if they need anything else, kind of just be there for support and similarly, if a big procedure just happened, there was a lot going on in the ED, it's going to take a lot of time. It'll play, It'll take a little bit of time to place that central line. It'll take a little bit of time to do that intubation. And immediately after, you may want to ask a million questions. But if the department is burning to the ground and the rack is stacking up, you have a ton of charts, maybe read a little bit and say, you know what, I'm going to circle back to that after the emergency department quiets down a little bit and just read read the department, really. I think that's a great point in that there could be so much going on, especially in like a code situation, right? There could be an intubation, a central line, there's running the code, there's the defibrillator, there's talking to family, and there's a lot of things to take from it. And I think if you even boil that down to just observing one procedure, like all the aspects of setting a first central line, whether it's the ultrasound or the line itself or troubleshooting the wire, there's always so much you can take away. But I think as an observer, you can watch the procedure multiple times done by multiple different people. What you can really do is just focus on one aspect or one perspective of it each time so that you pull away little bits and pieces and then you could put it all together in your mind because the ED can be pretty hectic. And if it's really busy, you may not have time to go into every little detail or every little step. But if you take away one thing, if you debrief and ask one question and kind of add that to your arsenal of how am I going to approach this procedure myself, I think you can really get, get a good benefit from that over time as an observer and as a learner. I think that's also bringing up the debrief, a good time. If, if there is time to stop and kind of ask the person if they have any advice for you when you're doing a procedure for the first time. Sometimes people do things a little bit differently until they get more familiar or they might have a different approach. So always kind of talk through things when you're doing the debrief if there's time to do that. And then mention if there's a portion of the procedure or the whole procedure that you would like to try to do if another opportunity presents itself. I love this question. I think the debrief is incredibly important and it's a great time for the medical student to not only express interest in the procedure, but learn what steps they can take before they actually do the procedure in the future. So it may be 
what advice do you have for me the next time I do this? Or how did you learn how to do this procedure? Was it the traditional do one, see one, teach one kind of thing? Or were you at home with your own Craig kit practicing on a mannequin? Or did you have a lot of sim time? Those may be opportunities for you as a medical student to get some hands-on experience in a free open access format that doesn't require a patient there. I was just going to say, I also think that offering that debrief actually helps the proceduralist kind of assess how they did and how they would do it differently in the future or where they could do better. And so realize that asking them for that debrief is actually also help, helpful for them as well, because I know I certainly kind of analyze things when somebody asks me so that I can give them a good answer and it helps me do better in the future. So, Tim, you bring up this idea that on top of the debrief being helpful for the procedure list, it's also good from the medical student standpoint. And you talk about doing these procedures at home. What are some tips on how to do that to where it's actually beneficial and not just you doing something and not getting anything out of it? I think for me, the the number one thing is to find good resources, find trusted resources, experts in the field that have a great video, podcast web page that shows exactly how the procedure is broken down and then compare it to what you saw during your last procedure. Was the central line technique pretty similar? Did it seem like the basic central line technique? Is it something that's geared towards medical students in particular? And then from that standpoint, what kinds of things do you need in order to actually execute the simulation at home? Do you need to have really high fidelity mannequins or can you have a uh, paper towel holder, and a couple of rolls of duct tape. Yeah, I think a lot of things you can do at home more, more than you think. I actually worked with a student this past block who really wanted to practice IVs and made his own little kit with some tofu and straws at home. And he practiced some things that he was struggling with and then came in and told me what he wanted to work on when he tried IVs on patients. And it seemed to work really well for him. And just showing me that he took the time to do that at home made me show that made me realize that he was very invested in trying to be successful. I also think that a stepwise approach kind of helps when you're the way I always thought about it is like, well, my goal is to do a central line. But what comes before a central line is probably an ultrasound IV. And what comes before that is probably just placing a regular peripheral IV. And so some things medical students have a lot more opportunities to actually do as opposed to observe. And so I think approaching in a stepwise fashion can instill a lot of confidence as you move up to perform the bigger procedures like a central line. So definitely practice on trainers at home or trainers at the shop, at the residency shop, wherever you're at, and then try on patients with the regular IV and then move up the ladder like that. And you'll feel a lot better stepping into those situations. So if we were to take from this entire conversation, the big take homes as the group, what are they, if I'm a medical student looking to up my game, both in, in doing procedures and observing procedures? I would say my big take home point is in order to really learn the procedure, you need to know it inside and out. You should know the indications the required materials, the stepwise approach, like Vad was saying, the complications, have all that stuff set up ready if you can, and really know the procedure so you can follow the steps and advance your learning. 
I think Tim brought up a really good point earlier too, which I really liked was making sure that every time you watch a procedure, once you're more familiar with it, that you focus on a different aspect of that procedure and see how different people do that specific aspect every time and then focus your questions on that during the debrief because a lot of these procedures are very detailed and that can be hard to go through during a shift. But if you go piece by piece every time, you can build your own approach. And I think my take home point would be is that perfect practice makes perfect, right? So especially in the beginning, especially when something's unfamiliar to you, you should be very meticulous in how you think about the approach, how you set up your materials and how you take the steps to do it. Because mastery is ultimately going to come from how you're going to perform these things under pressure and how you're going to troubleshoot even when everything you did in the beginning was set up right. And so do the same thing the same way, the right way every time so that you can cognitively offload all these things in high stress situations and all these little steps become reflexive. And then you can finally obtain mastery when you are performing something in a high stress situation like during a code. So get a trainer, get a kit, rerun it over and over and over again in your mind and kind of think about every little detail, no matter how small it is, and practice it perfectly the same way every time. Yeah, and I think my take home would be understanding the procedures. There's indications, contraindications, and the steps. But within every procedure, there is some nuance. And so the benefit of being a medical student is you'll get to see a, a certain procedure done 10 to 15 different ways with the same start and the same finish, but maybe some middle steps that are different. And so take that time and the opportunity to pay attention and figure out what works really well for you and then what you think will work well for your patients in the future. Well, Tim, Caitlin, and Vlad, I really appreciate you all coming on for this specific Med Student Over Easy podcast. If you're listening, don't forget to head on over to our blog, EM Over Easy, for the other Medical Student Over Easy sessions that we've done. And we look forward to seeing you guys on another episode. Well, you made it all the way to the end of another Med Student Over Easy podcast. Do not forget, we are the official podcast of the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. To learn more about this great organization and how you can get involved, head on over to acop.org today. Music.